Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Amen. Good job, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and uh, your traditions. It's fun to hear how different how different people celebrate different ways, and uh, it's exciting. And I've, I've been in ministry for 35 years and have never preached an Advent series like this or even done the Advent candles. I've been in other churches that have, but um, this is exciting to me. I, I'm excited because we focus on the beauty of Christmas and what it provides for us is something called hope. And it's powerful. It's amazing what Christmas can do for us if we'll really focus on why Christmas is what it is. And so, very excited about that. Every year, at the end of the year, we encourage everyone to give as you can. And realizing inflation has hurt us all and realizing it's impacted our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our finances and all those kinds of things, I just appreciate so much your faithfulness and giving. And encourage you to give all you can because really the church is moving forward. The church is continuing to touch lives. And our Journey Cares initiative that we have to care for people in need. We have our tithes and offerings that make the difference to help us keep moving forward as a church. And so if you're able to give, uh, we just encourage you to do, continue to do so. And thank you so much for your faithfulness. We're also encouraging you to start on December 1st. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, I encourage you to get it. It's the Bible app or U version is what it's called. And we are going to read together through the Advent season. And there is on our website, you can go on our website. Uh, I believe there's a, a QR code outside um, that you can use if you want to use it to connect with the Bible app. But we're going to read through a, a whole reading plan that U version, a Bible app, um, helps us uh, organize and, and get together, and all of us will be reading the same thing for 25 days. And it'll be fantastic. And so I encourage you to get that. If you are um, digitally challenged, okay, if you are electronically challenged, if you're a computer, um, I mean, not illiterate, but um, if, you, if you don't know quite how to use a computer, we have the reading on paper, and you can get it at my journey desk outside by the green wall, and you can use that. But here's what I want you to do beyond the reading, because the reading's a little bit brief. I want you to spend at least 10 minutes that day praying and foco, uh, focusing your heart on the, the topic of prayer. So when we pray about the Christmas wreath and we understand its meaning and its value, uh, pray about that and pray about that for your family and pray about that, that, that Christmas will be um, focused in a right way to see Jesus during the season. Amen? And so, <clears throat> great time. None of, none of everything really happens to its fullest extent without you inviting people. And so, I encourage you to get these cards. These cards are amazing. Touch cards, you can, uh, you know, fling them at a neighbor, kind of invite and run if you have to, but preferably, you know, stand there and invite them. And, uh, and, and look them in the eye and, and let them know, hey, we'd love to have you at our tree lighting. If they have kids, they can decorate a wagon, make it all look fancy and fun. And we're going to have a, a parade right in front of the, the, the building here. And it's just going to be so fun with music and all kinds of stuff going on um, and, and all that sort of stuff on the tree lighting night. And then, of course, Christmas Eve, we're not going to have a service on Christmas Day. 
Sunday, Christmas Day. And so Christmas Eve will be our service together. It's going to be a fabulous time together, and, and we're going to have a, a, a winter walk, which is a beautiful, beautiful uh, winter walk out front, and then, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and then we're going to have a great, great service inside with uh, uh, ending with s'mores and hot chocolate and cider and all that kind of stuff. All right? It's going to be a great time. That's my announcements for this morning, and so excited to see us begin this idea of anticipation. You remember that commercial? It was a long time ago. I was probably aging myself. <clears throat> Went kind of like, anticipation, it's making me wait. What was it? Ketchup. Yeah, I don't like ketchup. So I don't anticipate it, but remember it was just pouring out slowly out of the bottle and there's this drooling that's supposed to be happening as you anticipate the ketchup falling on to this flavorful hamburger that you're about to have or, or um, french fries or something. But anticipation, it's that waiting, it's that, that, that moment when it's just about ready to happen and you're going, oh, it's so close, so close, so close. That's the kind of waiting that the Advent was all about. We are waiting for the advent of Jesus or the coming of Christ. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love anticipating things. I love waiting and, and, and expecting and having this hope that's in front of me because I'm anticipating something good's going to happen. It's different than optimism, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But the thing that I don't like is the wait. Do you like to wait? Anybody be in a hurry? I think I've said this before, but I have figured out I am the slow line. I was in, at Costco the other day, and this person in front of me had one thing. And sure enough, the, the, the cashier had to change out the change and stop the whole thing that they were doing. And I don't know why, but it, <clears throat> it took another 10 minutes for everything to happen. And I was the second in line in front of the, in, and behind the person that only had one thing to buy. I am the slow line. So what I've done to embrace that is I've, I've, I've said, okay, now I don't care. I get behind the person with the most groceries, and I know it's going to go slow, and I know it's going to take some time, so I just watch people and laugh and enjoy. I talk to people. Person that, I was standing, that was standing behind me, I turned and I said, you know what? You're in the wrong line. Because I'm the slow line. And she goes, you're right. I'm in the wrong line. I should not be behind you. I said, no, I don't, it won't take that long, it, you know, and it did. But um, <clears throat> it, waiting is, is not fun, but anticipating is. Knowing that there's something good coming is always good. I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting in a doctor's office. Wouldn't it be fun if, if you're a doctor or a medical professional? I realize that schedules are tough, but waiting in a doctor's room has become kind of the, the cliche, right? We, we wait. They say 10 o'clock. It's 1030 until you get called, and you kind of wish you could reverse charge for the time that you're there. The DMV is another place where we don't like to wait. Yeah, that's not fun, but there are other places that are worth the wait, like when you're going to get a promotion or a raise. That's worth the wait, right? The, the work that it goes into it, the graduation that you're done, if you're in school and you're waiting to get to that end, that's worth the wait. Marriage is a great thing, and it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. Do I hear an amen? Okay, man. It's like a have <clears throat> start scheduling some marriage counseling. <laughs> healing. 
healing is one of those things. My wife, the other night, had something go wrong. We, sh- we weren't sure what it was, but it made her super sick. This was on Thanksgiving night. And whatever it was made her super sick. She was sick to her stomach. She was losing what the contents of her stomach. <clears throat> she had back pain like no other. And we, I was like on the verge of calling 911 because I didn't know what was going on. And um, my, she said, can you have my mom come in? And her mom came in. And then we said something like, we feel like this is an attack. And her mom prayed. And 15 minutes later, Karen was asleep and out of pain. I believe she was healed. <clears throat> I, I honestly believe she was healed because it was not anything that Karen normally experiences, normally goes through, and we don't have that stuff happen. But, um, man, she just uh, was in, in tons of pain, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and it's been gone since. And so we praise God for that. But it's no fun to wait, but it's fun to anticipate. And I think when we understand what anticipation is and when we understand what the advent is, <clears throat> the waiting is worth it. Like I said last week in a message, the waiting for Jesus to come is worth it. The waiting for even us to take our last breath and then enter into this amazing eternal relationship with Jesus is worth it. There's no suffering that can take away the joy of knowing that we are going to spend eternity with Christ. That's what the Bible tells us, is to embrace this world in, in its oddities and its, its difficulties and its painfulness. And regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what happens to us here, we know we have an eternity to face and to experience in the future. Amen? Well, that's what the, the, the Israelites were facing when they were prophesied 700 years prior to Jesus stepping foot onto the earth. 700 years, these Israelites, were, they were in the midst of captivity. They were in the midst of going through difficult times. And Isaiah, this, at the direction of the Lord, prophesies and says in Isaiah 7.14, which uh, Rebecca read earlier, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, or God with us. 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for, us, to, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What promising, promising words that came 700 years prior to Jesus stepping on this planet. Now, all of those people who heard that for the very first time didn't make it to 700 years later. This is the challenging part. And I said this last week again, that we don't know when Jesus is coming back. And they didn't know when Jesus was coming for the first time. But to have a hope, to know that God cares, to know that God is involved, even if it's a long ways off, is better than having no hope at all. Is having no hope at all. You see, this candle is called the prophet's candle. This candle is called the candle uh, <coughs> excuse me, of the prophet. And the, this be- the beauty of this candle is simply that 700, pri- 700 years prior to Jesus ever stepping on the planet, there was a promise. And that promise gave hope. That promise gave people in captivity. That promise gave people who were struggling. That pr- promise ca- gave people who didn't have a ruler 
at least one that they wanted to embrace, one that wasn't keeping them captive. They didn't have that, but they were told he was coming, and it gave them hope. Where is your hope today? Hope is simply this. It's the anticipation for a future that is better than the present. Knowing, knowing that the future is going to be better, knowing that it's a promise, knowing that it's going to happen is powerful. It's an anticipation of something coming that motivates perseverance and patience. That's what hope does. Said of many of the POWs in, uh, in many of the wars, no matter what war it was, it was the POWs that lived that found some sense of hope to keep them alive. See, if we don't have hope, then it's hopeless, right? If we don't have hope, then it's easy to give up. It's easy to give in to the things of this world. It's easy to give in to the things that are distractions or temptations or sin because if we don't have hope, then why not just live now and just do everything we can to to please ourselves rather than to give ourselves to the hope of the coming of the Lord? If we don't believe in that, and it's easy to give up. Hope is the anticipation of something coming that motivates perseverance and patience. Are we being patient? Are we motivated to persevere, hang in there, stick to it, keep going, don't stop? Share Christ with your friends. Share Christ with those around you because someday Jesus is coming back. And it's that hope that motivates us. If we're not motivated, we're lost. We're lost. We're lost. We're, we're in, a, in a spot where we can't figure out what to do with our lives, can't figure out what to give ourselves to, but um, <clears throat> we must find hope. And so the meaning of Advent is simply this, the coming of that anticipated person or event. And in our case, it's the coming of the Lord, Jesus Christ. It's the promise 700 years prior to Jesus ever step, stepping on this earth that came to the Israelites that gave them hope. Today, you and I don't have that hope. We know that Jesus came. We know that he stepped foot on this planet. We know that he gave his life on a cross. We know that he rose from the dead, and today he promises us eternal life. Knowing those things gives us hope to keep moving on. I love this story in Luke chapter 22, verse, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 22. It says this, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem and, and to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what, with what is, is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. If, you, if you're a highlighter in your Bible or if you're looking on the Bible app or if you're doing something, um, just look at that. He was waiting. He was waiting. He was anticipating the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what, was, what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, we'll talk about what he said in just a moment, but what did he do when he realized that the Messiah was there? 
700 years prior to that had been prophesied. Nothing between those seven years had ever shown up except this moment when Jesus actually shows up on the planet. Eight days after he was born, he was being consecrated to the Lord, and he's brought to this guy named Simeon who had hope, who had hope, who was a man of God, who put his hope in God and the promises that God uh, gave him and then was told that he is going to meet up with the Messiah. Can you believe the excitement of that? Let me tell you this. There will be a day when you and I meet up with Jesus. Is that good? Does that energize you? Does that motivate you to get, <clears throat> get excited about hanging out and, and doing the very best we can right now and not giving in to this thing, the, the things of this world and to, to do everything we can to say, all right, I am going to hang in there because there will be a day when I will meet with Jesus. That's what Simeon was feeling. And what did he do? He praised God. His God was faithful. His God was a promise keeper. His God was all-knowing. His God is our Redeemer. This is the Messiah that showed up. And what did Simeon do? He praised God. What should we do when we meet up with Jesus, when Jesus has already entered into our heart, and when we realize that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, we should be motivated to praise. And then he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Say it with me. As you have promised. Oh my goodness. Well, if you can't hang on to your hat on that, you can't hang your hat on anything because God is a man of his word. He's a God of his word. He's going to come through. And as I tell you, he is going, you are going to meet up with him someday. We're going to be, meet him in the air face to face. There's going to be a moment when we see him. That is amazing. And that is everything that he has promised us. And Simeon realized, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon's like, I'm ready to go. Is it? Is it? Actually, that's kind of how we should be. Hey, everything from this point on is icing on the cake, living in this world. Or if you're going through a tough time, it doesn't feel like icing. It feels like a pickle. Sour. And it's the promise of God. It, it's, it's the joy of knowing that we have this promise. And Simeon was like, okay, I have reached the pinnacle of life. I have now seen the Messiah. I, I have been in his presence. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I want you to look at one little phrase here, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's you and me. Unless you're a full-blooded Jew, that's you and me. Jesus came for you and for me. Simeon recognized that he came to save the world. And Simeon was full of joy. His hope was fulfilled. The gift that he had hoped for had arrived, and he was able to bless that gift. I don't know about you, but you might be hoping for a raise at work, or you might be <laughs> excuse me, dreaming of that spouse that you will have someday, or maybe you've wanted a home to buy. Whatever it is, it's nothing compared to realizing that Jesus showed up and came to this world to save us and to redeem us. Amen? <clears throat> 
Here's a really interesting statement. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Isn't that funny? Mary and Joseph were like, whoa, that's cool. Why did they marvel? Why did Joseph and Mary go, oh, that's amazing. I didn't realize that. After they had already experienced angels talking to them. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking a question, a genuine question I don't have an answer to, other than I think that the distance between the promise and the reality can create doubt. Can create, really? I mean, we, you know, Mary's just like, I just, had, I just had Jesus, the Messiah, in a barn. This doesn't seem to be going the way it should have gone. I just had shepherds show up. The, 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 the wise men haven't even showed up yet. I just had shepherds show up. That was weird. What, what's going on here? And maybe they lost their sense of the promise. And had to be reminded, I think too often you and I get too distant from the promise. And we start to lose our confidence. We start to lose our faith. We start to lose our hope. For some of you today, you're tired, you're weary, you're exhausted. Life hasn't gone or isn't going the way you thought it would. And you're, you're like, man, I just wish this would come together. I wish this would happen for me. I wish this would all come together in, in, a, in a sweet little package. But you need to be reminded you're a child of the King. You have a promise of eternity. The Bible says that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. That he will indwell in you. He will, give you, he will guide you. He will convict you. He will give you love and grace. He'll give you all of those things. Maybe that's today what needs to be reminded is the tired person, the tired person who's weary of walking through this life and going, why isn't it coming together? Why isn't it happening? Why am I going through all these things? And I can't answer those questions for you, but I can tell you that God has not left you, that he will not forsake you, that he will give you strength to either go through what you're going through or get out of what you're going through, and he will give you the hope of eternal life, which is everything we live for. Be encouraged. Even though the distance has grown from the promise, hang on to the promise. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Jesus was going to offend some and he was going to bless some. And to be a sign that would be spoken against, people would speak against Jesus so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Jesus is going to bring truth. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, Really interesting. How many times have, if you've been around the church for any time, we always hear about Simeon, but we don't hear about Anna. This little prophet, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Bible, uh, Bible scholars believe she was over 100. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. <clears throat> she never left the temple but worship night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, look what she did. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. 
That last little bit is so powerful. She gave thanks to God. When you meet up with Jesus, there should be praise in your heart. There should be a moment of going, oh, my goodness, the Savior is in the room. He has just arrived. Let's get on with it. Let's praise him. Let's lift our hands. Let's do whatever it takes to celebrate Jesus and enjoy his presence. She praised God. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward. All who were anticipating, all who had hope that the Messiah would someday come to the, redemp- to the redemption of Jerusalem. What are you hoping for today? You see, our biggest hope always has to be that Jesus, that we will spend eternity with Jesus. Yes, do we want him to, to sound the horns and, and split the clouds and send the angels to take us up from heaven? That would be way cool. But no matter what, we're going. No matter what. You see, this is the difference between optimism and, and, and hope. Optimism is that, oh, everything's going to work out in this bad situation. It's based on a circumstance. Hope is regardless of the circumstance because the, the person who made the promise is going to come through. You're not worried about the circumstance. Oh, this, this, these finances are going to get better. Oh, that my, my future spouse is, is coming someday or, or, or whatever is going on there. That hope is good. Those situations are great. But what is Jesus doing for us? What is Jesus promising us? That's what our hope is in. Because I've been around faith long enough to know that you need faith in this world because not everything goes the way we think it's going to go. Not everything, we have an enemy that's going to, try and take us out. We have all these things that go on, and we need hope in the midst of that. And so, here we have Simeon, probably in his 80s, waiting for the consolation of Jerusalem. He shows up, and what does he do? He praises God. We have Anna, who's at least 84, but some scholars believe she's over 100, and she's waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And Jesus shows up, and she thanks God. What should we do? We should thank God. He's come. He lived a sinless life. He died a brutal death. He rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And you and I have the privilege of having an experience of salvation, redemption, justification, the power of God changing us and moving us, renewing us, and giving us the hope of eternal life. (laughs) That's powerful. That's hope. That's the joy of the Lord in my soul. Amen? That's the strength that comes when we know that, the, that Jesus is coming back. Romans chapter 8 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So suffering is there. Paul was being beaten. He was being imprisoned. <clears throat> he was being persecuted. Then he says, for the creation waits in eager expectation. The creation, the world, for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and the glory of the children of God. Freedom comes when Jesus shows up. We know that the whole 
creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have Jesus in us, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, as we wait for that day when we will leave these bodies and go and spend eternity with God in His presence as children of God. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. This is the hard part. This is the truth of the message and the hope of eternity. Is that you and I in this room, we have some waiting to do. We have some waiting to do. We have some waiting to to anticipate. We have this hope to hang on to. This thing that motivates us to say, I will live faithfully for God in the midst of trials and challenges and COVID and and inflation and whatever else you're going through, disease, whatever is happening, these coughs, this cold, these these tri-pandemics that are happening right now that's crazy and, and insane. All of that doesn't change the fact that Jesus is coming back. All of that doesn't change the fact that if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're going to spend eternity with him. That's our hope. That motivates us to hang in there. That motivates us to wait patiently. But what I want to encourage you to do, and this is the habit of, of any human, is once they know that the problem's solved, they sit on it. They don't do anything else. They wait patiently. They sit and do nothing. You guys, that's not the intent. Of having the hope. The hope should motivate us to get other people to experience the hope. The hope should motivate us to get beyond ourselves and, and say to ourselves, no, I am not going to settle for just me going. I want my family to go. I want my friends to go. I want my coworkers to go. I want everybody to go. I love what Paul said in Philippians 1, 21 and 24. He says, he says this, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Listen to Paul. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it, it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. You see, Paul didn't lose his sense of hope. That to be with Jesus is better by far. Let's get out of here. Let's shed these clothes and let's go and hang with Jesus and be where there's no more crying there. I'm going to see the king. No more dying there. I'm going to see the king. Have you ever sung that song? Soon and very soon, I am going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going. If you ever did that in children's ministry. What, that's the song that, that kind of makes us want to sit. But if we follow Paul's example and we say, and we understand to live, as long as I have breath, I have a purpose. I have a, a, a reason for being here. I have an influence that I need to have on the people of, of, uh, around me and the spheres of influence. If I'm taking breath, then I have a reason to live for Christ. It's far better to be with Jesus. 
There won't be any crying there. There won't be any dying there. There won't be any, any, any sadness there. There will be hope and joy and praise. And, and, and it's hard to even imagine what a world without sin, what a world without any hindrances, without any shame, any guilt, any of that, where that, where that, what that world will be like. But the truth is, we can live for Jesus today. Do we have hope? Absolutely. Is the promise here? No, we're still here. He is coming back someday. We don't know when that will be, but if we go before he comes back, that's still fulfilling the promise because we will be in his presence. Where is your hope today? Did you come in hopeless? Did you come in struggling? Did you come in fighting the battle of, of wondering, hey, God, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I fought that battle. I fight that battle. But I know that I know that I know that God will never leave me or forsake me, that he, he is coming again, and I will stand tall during these days, and I will use every ounce of my influence to impact the kingdom so that I can say to live is Christ and to die is gain. <clears throat> the anticipation of Jesus gives us reason for praise. We're going to praise God in just a moment. Gives us reason for praise that he's, he has come. We celebrate Christmas because he came. He came. That's our hope. <coughs> Excuse me. God is the keeper of his promises. 700 years prior to Jesus arriving, he made the promise and he fulfilled it 700 years later. 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, he made a promise. I'll come back someday. And we're still waiting, aren't we? Let's keep waiting with hope. He honors his word. Our hope is in Jesus. And don't forget that to live is Christ and to die is gain. We live with our hope, making sure that all that are around us know Jesus Christ and his love for them. Amen. Amen. Father God, we just thank you so much <clears throat> for the hope that we have. Yeah, we struggle with the things of this world. We struggle with its impact on our bodies. We struggle with the, the temptations and the challenges and the battles and, and even the, the, the attacks from the enemy. But Lord, we realize that you are victorious, that you are the one who raised from the dead, that you are the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave. And you are the one that we can have our hope and trust and confidence in to make it to the end. And when we get to the end, it's only the beginning of an eternal relationship with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we have that hope. And much like the prophets of old, Lord, we know that you are the prophet that spoke to us and told us that you will come again. And if you don't come before we take the last breath, we know that we will go with you and spend eternity with you. Thank you for that hope. If you're here this morning and you came in hopeless you came in struggling. You came in frustrated. You came in angry. You came in whatever it may be. I, I, just, I just plead with you to put your faith and hope in Jesus. Your circumstance may be dire. Your health may be struggling. Your, 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 your confidence may be low. But God is still on the throne. And he wants to encourage you. And he has not left you. And he will not forsake you. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want one. You want that hope. 
I want to encourage you to accept that hope today and just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that when you died on the cross, you forgave me. You provided a way for my sin to be forgiven. And I pray that you would just forgive me of my sin. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and you you have given me the hope of eternal life. And by accepting your forgiveness today and believing in your, your resurrection, I am now saved. And I accept that and I receive that and I commit to follow you with all of my heart, my mind, and my soul for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.